This is Team Business Podcast. Team Business uncovers the everyday entrepreneurs why, how, and the road to now. Join us to learn how game-changing founders act on their vision and build a team for success. And now, your host, Mike Fusco. Hello, everyone. Thanks for joining us on Team Business episode number 41 with our good friend, Chase Berkey. Chase is a CPA. He's also the co-founder and CEO of Dark Horse CPAs, Headquartered, I guess you can say, here in San Diego County, but definitely I, doing business nationally. Yeah, I like to say we're yeah. headquartered in the cloud uh, because <laughs> we are kind of location agnostic. You are. And, man, you guys are doing some cool stuff. And uh, thanks for taking the time. Chase is, this is Chase's second time with us, and I'm thankful for that. He's a busy guy growing an awesome business. And to take a little time to talk to the audience is, is good stuff. So thanks, man. Oh, I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. So Chase, this is not your typical, I guess you could say, this is not your typical CPA firm. Is that right? I mean, am I kind of leading into this properly? Yeah, that's a good setup. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, it's really uh, unlike any other CPA firm. Uh, We are really a platform style CPA firm. Um, and you know, our customer as a leadership team is our CPAs. So where the traditional firm, you know, the customer is the client, uh, you know, and they're going to essentially design all of their, you know, uh, SOPs and the way that they do business around the client needs, and then try and fit staff members into what they've already pre-designed. Uh, we take really a 180 approach from that where we're here to support our CPAs, resource them, you know, in a holistic way so that they can serve their clients as best as possible. Uh, and so that they, you know, are benefiting, you know, from the growth of their book of business, uh, you know, along the way. Yeah, it's really interesting, man. And I want to go back, like, what made you kind of think of the concept? Where did you see, like, did you see maybe CPAs having a hard time growing their business and you thought you could be a good resource or structure for them? What led you to start uh, the platform as so to speak yeah so for me you know i kind of got into this without any sort of plan uh i just needed to pay some bills uh so you know i, I had a small <laughs> group of clients that i brought from a previous partnership um and was really just focused on paying bills and you know figuring I'd figure it out later. Um, but you know that group of clients grew uh, over time and it was a really transformational experience for me, um, probably more personally than even professionally, you know, kind of realizing I could do all of these things that I thought maybe I couldn't do. Uh, and I was good at most of it. Right. And so, um, you know, and probably the biggest part was realizing that, you know, I could control my own destiny and I could really be the author of my own story, you know, not be subject to the control or whim of others, you know? And so that, kind of growth period for me was something I didn't quite know what to do with at the time, you know, but I was living a much better life and a lot more self-actualized and all of that. So fast forward, I guess about four years uh, from starting the firm, you know, we'd grown it to a decent size, but we were doing it, you know, in mostly the traditional way. Um, We were tech forward and big on relationships and, you know, had a differentiated brand, uh, you know, with Dark Horse versus 
Berkey and Associates or something like that. Yeah, Dark Horse um, is a cool brand. I like it. Yeah, and just as an aside, Dark Horse was really about our client, who is you know the small business that is a Dark Horse amongst their larger competitors. So that's kind of where that came from. But anyhow, uh, in 2019, you know, starting to really get to that the edge of burnout. Uh, you know, because all that growth, a lot of it happens during tax season, which is <laughs> already a taxing time to use a pun. Um, and, you know, I just knew that there was a better way to do this. Um, you know, so I had a bunch of ideas kind of spinning around in my head. Um, and after tax season, I actually went to San Luis Obispo for uh, three days and um, put the pen to paper on kind of all these ideas I had floating in my head, um, which ended up really being the skeleton of, you know, what we became thereafter. Uh, we've pivoted, uh, you know, a lot and tweaked a lot of the original idea to actually make it work in the real world because what works, you know, in theory, you know, doesn't always work in practice as uh, any listener to this podcast would know. Um, so, yep. you know, it, it was really born out of the idea that, you know, um, we can create a much better path to building, you know, your own practice. We had a lot of core competencies that we knew we could translate to folks, you know, to get them built up from scratch. And at the same time, we also knew that we had a long way to go in terms of building out meaningful technology, automations, connections between apps, uh, you know, really the, the resources that would allow folks to be efficient and be able to scale. Um, but I had the recognition that, in order to really build this out to the way that you know I had envisioned it, uh, I needed to get out of client service. Um, and I think that's something that holds uh, a lot of professional services firms back because it's hard to push forward initiatives, be creative, and you know kind of achieve the grander vision or even think of that grander vision when you're constantly being pulled into client service. So I had to really kind of commit to you know, going this route because I knew as I got out of client service, that was going to make me less relevant if I had to hop back into that seat. Right. So uh, it was a big, you know, decision for me to really say, okay, I'm all in on this. And, you know, if it doesn't work out, you know, I, I've just got to be content to figure something else out on the back end. But for me, you know, I'm passionate about this and I really believe in what we're doing. And, you know, it, it was worth that risk. And, you know, at that point, before we made that pivot, it was only four of us. Um, it's now 55 folks <clears throat> within about three years. <clears throat> so clearly what we're doing is resonating uh, with CPAs and also with clients. Uh, you know, so it's uh, one of those things where, you know, I always try to be cautiously optimistic as opposed to just full on optimistic, you know, because uh, if you don't keep that edge, you know, uh, the growth that you had up to a certain point can can uh can leave you pretty quickly yeah man and that's you know i by the way if you guys aren't connected with the chase on linkedin i'm looking at his profile now but he posts some really good information really you know insightful information i think you know you hit on a couple of points and i laugh a little bit because in my industry in my day job you know it's very service oriented so you know although i enjoy the industry and I see a lot of potential for it. It's hard to kind of, you know, remove yourself, even as the owner from the day to day, you know, when clients are relying on you to try to, you know, move towards your big picture, your mission or your vision when you're ingrained in it. And I think what you've done is 
you, you know, you love the industry, right? You found an industry that you're great at. You're, you, you have the technical side of it. You know how to run a business, but you kind of, you're not so ingrained in the day to day and you're able to build on the bigger mission and the bigger value and help others who also love the industry learn what you, you know, teach what you've learned and, and help them too. So that's, that's pretty awesome, man. And I, you know, something that you said, and I want to touch on this a little bit is about the burnout um, tax season. And I've seen you post on, on LinkedIn about that. And I think bigger picture for bigger other CPA firms is, you know, it's that whole bottleneck and maybe the way, and I've seen you put information about, you know, how they might want to think about treating their employees a little differently during sure. that season. Is, is that right? Like during that time and leading well, out I mean, of kind of holistically. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah. Holistically, mm -hmm. holistically. Yeah. So can you touch on that a little bit? Because I, man, I know like, that's got to be a brutal segment of time for any yeah. CPA, you know, and then how you kind of come out of it and the ways that you think could be improved. Right. And, and I mean, it's not just tax season because there's also folks yeah. in audit, but there's, I mean, anywhere you are in public accounting, there's a compressed season, if not multiple of those seasons each year, um, you know, and so the industry as a whole is in an interesting position because uh, we've got less folks getting accounting degrees, getting their CPA license on one side, on the pipeline side. And in practice, you know, the firm ownership uh, skews towards, you know, late 50s, 60s, you know, so there's a lot of folks um you know that are really approaching retirement um and then what's in the middle uh isn't you know a whole lot better because a lot of folks you know have left public accounting uh and i think a lot of that was sped up during the pandemic when people really had time to reflect on you know kind of what they were doing in life in general you know so there's a, just a huge talent shortage as a result of all this you know and so firms out there you know that are led by some of the that older age group I'm broad stroke brushing here, but uh, a lot of them, you know, are not as quick or as interested in adopting new technologies because, um, you know, it doesn't necessarily serve their bottom line. Uh, if they can't see, okay, if I implement this technology, you know, I'm going to get X more production out of my staff, which will, you know, more than pay for the cost of the technology but then i also have to learn it myself to some extent you know so there's just a lot of resistance to change because they've built something that they feel is working pretty well for them and it's you know building that nest egg for retirement uh, but the problem is the staff you know underneath them is uh they're doing things you know in ways that um <laughs> you know are not how we should be doing things in the 21st century um you know so things that yeah. So some things that could be automated, you know, right. just a lot less painful aren't, you know, and as a result, you know, people are like, okay, I'm highly educated, uh, you know, and I could do a lot more than, you know, some of this data entry that, you know, ends up taking up a disproportionate amount of my time, you know, and so there's, there's a lot of reasons, you know, why burnout happens. I could dive as deep as you want, you know, on any of those yeah. topics, but it, it's, it's there for sure. Yeah, man. And how do you think as an industry you attract younger talent? Because in the, again, going back to my day to day, the insurance business is very much like the accounting business in the sense that it's an aging population of professionals. Leadership tends to be an older segment. There's not, there's a lot of resistance to new technologies. And I think, you know, whereas accounting, you know, people in business school get that degree 
and it's a great degree to get. And, you know, it's a very stable, great industry. You know, there is no such thing in insurance. Well, not yet, at least. But how do you think you attract it? Are you guys looking to attract the younger talent pool, you know, to join Dark Horse to maybe build their own book of business? Or how do you guys get involved in that? Yeah. So, I mean, we're, uh, you know, a little bit further in the pipeline in terms of where we're recruiting from. Uh, so folks that enter our accelerator program have to have at least five years of experience. Um, and then folks that are merging their practice in, um, you know, have more experience than that, you know, more often than not. So, yeah. um, but in terms of, you know, that still represents the demographic of, you know, the folks that are in college or recent grads, you know, and I think the disconnect that a lot of them are seeing is uh, number one, you know, salaries, uh, you know, comparatively have not increased, um, you know, over time. Um, and there's a lot more lucrative work out there that, you know, you can get into without, you know, the educational requirements that the CPA license has. Yeah, the CPA is um, a big one. Yeah, totally. So, and I think there's more awareness of what the actual job is like, you know, things like Reddit, you know, that those folks can just go out there and kind of do their own research and kind of see how people in the profession are feeling, um, yeah, you, yeah. you know, so there's, there's some kind of uh, barriers to entry in, kind of on both of those points. But um, I, I think the other thing too, is that, you know, this demographic folks in their 20s and 30s they're looking for meaning and purpose in their work uh in a way that you know that previous generation maybe didn't have that level of focus or wasn't as high on their priority list you know and i think accounting firms in general probably a lot of professional service uh you know companies um don't lead with a mission and a vision and a why for what we're doing beyond client service that's low hanging yep. fruit. Everyone knows that, but you know, yep. there's a deeper why and a deeper meaning that, uh, if you can tap into, you know, is, you know, really powerful. Right. And yeah. I, I think that, you know, it just has never been an area of focus cause it never needed to be, you know, there's always a stable crop of type a smart, you know, accounting grads that would just grind it out for as long as they could. And 2% of them would make partner and that model just, you know, worked for 140 years. So, yeah, exactly. Now, um, what was I going to ask you? Sorry, man. You were talking about 140 years. I'm thinking, yeah, I started (laughs) thinking about the big firms and everything. But uh, so when it comes to uh, adding new talent Mm -hmm. for you guys, now, do you, do you guys kind of connect potential clients with, with the, the, the uh, you know, those in your program or and how does that work? Or is it that they, you know, they, they attract their own base of clients or both? Yeah. So, I mean, that was kind of one of the core competencies I was uh, alluding to earlier is, you know, we had a great inbound uh, lead funnel um, and it's gotten a lot better over time as we've gotten more sophisticated and invested uh, more deeply into that. But, you know, investing in the website, the SEO, the AdWords, you know, making sure that we're getting the right type of search traffic. They're getting qualified on our website via, you know, some of the pricing that we put out there. Um, So that's, all of that is what is, you know, feeding the growth of our accelerators. So after we train them on our sales process uh, and our technology and all of that, then they start uh, engaging with those folks, um, you know, setting up meetings, 
doing proposals, engagement letters, you know, all the way through to the, doing the work, billing it out and all that. So, um, you know, they're able to grow really quickly because they don't have to go out to traditional networking events, you know, or build that power team of referrals, you know, right off the bat. Not to say that people don't do any of those things. It's right. just, you know, their initial growth, you know, they don't have to do that. And really don't, they don't have to do it at all if they don't want to, because we can always send them uh, qualified leads. Um, you yep. know, there's no shortage of potential clients out there. There is a shortage of potential CPAs. So that's really right. why we focus on what our offering is to the CPAs, because right. that's, that's really, you know, what's lacking in the industry. And it's brilliant, man. Really, really cool. Uh, let me ask you, what's the, so pivoting a little bit, mm -hmm. what's the best piece of business advice you've ever received? Mm. That's a good question. I don't Take know. It. I don't know if anyone has directly said anything that has stuck with me in a way that I could regurgitate right now. I, I think I've learned most by working with uh, people that I respect and seeing how they operate, seeing how they interact with people, what questions they ask. Um, you know, it, to me, that learning by osmosis is really, I think, what um, I have benefited most from. I've had some really great uh, mentors and folks that I've gotten to work with at a higher level that um, have allowed me to, you know, kind of uh, absorb some of the best parts of what they do, you know, almost in a subconscious yeah. way. Um, yeah. So maybe not the answer you're looking for, but no, no, that's awesome, man. I think that's, no, you bring up a good point. You know, I mean, when you think of business advice, you know, you think of someone coming to you and say, Hey, word for word. And this was stuck with me, but that's not always the case. Like you said, osmosis, just being around it, being, right. in, you know, it, working. It, and the yeah. other thing too, for me is, you know, Wisdom is something that I think uh, is not something you can just hear and learn. You have to go through an experience for that piece of wisdom to actually settle, you know, because if someone's warning you about doing X, Y, or Z, sure, you, you might, you know, say that's probably wise, right? But until you go through that experience, you know, that doesn't hit home in a way that um, really resonates, you know, so I think part of anyone's career is, you know, making mistakes, uh, finding an environment yeah. where you can make mistakes safely. Um, you know, cause that's learning happens from mistakes much more it, than it does from success. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's why, you know, when you read books about people who are renowned for, you know, giving business advice or whatever you might call it, entrepreneurship, they always say that you fail over and over. It's the way you fail that really propels you to success and how you handle the failures, you know, and right. I think anyone, you know, as an entrepreneur, yourself, myself, you know, we've made mistakes, obviously. And it's just the way you own up to those, live up to those and learn from those. Right. Right. About how you're going to be successful. Speaking of that, what do you think the biggest misconception about entrepreneurship is? If you could, you know, people listening, we have our audience. There's a lot of people that are considering getting into their own business, starting their own business. They have a like, great ideas. What would you say to them? Like, what's the biggest misconception you would say is about entrepreneurship in general? Yeah, I mean, I would say, I mean, this kind of correlates, at least for me, to kind of 
my misconception of leaders in general, entrepreneurs or otherwise, is that leadership and entrepreneurship looks a certain way. You know, you look at the examples that are out there and you say, I don't measure up to this person, um, you know, but I really believe that everyone has, you know, their unique strengths, you know, so for every hyper strength that's out there, there's a blind spot. So you might see, you know, the incredible intelligence and ingenuity of an Elon Musk, you know, but he, it's funny. I was just thinking of him too. Right. I mean, he's <laughs> kind of the poster child, right? Cause he's yeah. probably the greatest entrepreneur maybe of mm -hmm. all time. Um, you know, but there's blind spots that he obviously has. Right. Sure. Um, you know, and so I think, you know, looking at yourself, you know, through the archetype of what you believe an entrepreneur looks like uh, is a dangerous way to look at it because entrepreneurs, <laughs> I've met a lot of them and they're all highly different, have very different strengths, uh, very different ways of interacting, you know, and when it comes down to it, it's just a matter of if you have passion for the people you're serving or the problem you're solving, uh, you'll find your way through it, you know, and uh, it's, I guess the other piece of advice is really don't, you know, suffer from paralysis by analysis because you can talk yourself out of any possible idea or business plan, you know, because there's risk that is just inherent in entrepreneurship. Um, but once you kind of go on that other side and become an entrepreneur, uh, for most folks, it's impossible to go back unless you just have to, uh, because, you know, there's just something that's ignited uh, within you, you know, that, um, you know, just makes you never want to go back to <laughs> traditional employment. Uh, not that there's anything wrong with it. No, it's stretch. not. But yeah, I know what you mean, man. Trust me. Yeah. You almost have nightmares about it sometimes. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like, I got to keep this business successful, so I'm not forced to do that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So talking about leadership, what do you think? I know you talked about passion and, you know, the ability to kind of lead. What do you think is the mark of a good leader? You know, we talked about Elon Musk and, you know, obviously I think something recently came out in the, in the news about him and Tesla and about bringing employees, you know, back to the workplace and the kind of the way he handled it, which like you said, everyone has their blind spots, right? Everyone has their shortcomings. Mm -hmm. Well, for you, what, what, when you think of a good leader, what do you think? Makes it yeah. When I think of a good leader, I, I mean, the mark of a good leader to your question is the quality and the caliber of those you lead, um, you know, because you can be the most impressive, smart person out there. But, you know, if your next in command uh, is nothing special and has, you know, some major gaps in their skill sets, you know, and yep. their competencies, you know, to me, that says, OK, that's a leader who is not delegating, who's not developing their folks, you know, who's not investing in their growth and, you know, is really more interested about, you know, having the stage and, you know, being the hero within the organization. Brilliant. And also I would say too, you know, within professional services, when we talk about managing people that ends up usually being, okay, here's what I need you to do. Here's generally how you do it. And then I'm going to review your work, tell you what you got right and what you got wrong. Uh, to me, that's really just the base level of leadership. I mean, that's kind of table stakes, you know, yep. in, in terms of developing someone that is a much deeper investment, you know, in that person, you know, giving them, 
room for creative thought and back and forth dialogue really uh i mean kind of like i was mentioning before it's you know seeing you know being side by side with someone as they're doing something or as they're having a you know conversation with a client uh you know and yep. then talking about that this is why i said this you know when they were asking this this is what they were really asking you know it, it's it's so much more involved than just assigning work and reviewing it um and we don't train for that you know it's something that um folks you know generally have to come to on their own uh if they ever do uh but i think true leadership is another void you know within the accounting industry you know broad stroke once again but yeah. um i, I just I, I think there's not enough emphasis on you know what developing uh, a staff member looks like we've just depended for so long on really smart people that you can throw a bunch at and you know they'll find their way through it you know or enough of them will and make it through mm -hmm. uh and those who don't just don't uh, but i think that as a leader you have a responsibility to set your people up for success what they do beyond that you know is their responsibility but you know if you're not setting them up in the right way that's on you and that's i 100 agree i talk about that a lot in in business that what you talked about about reviewing their work and kind of that's to me i call that tuesday morning quarterback it's like well now it's already gone beyond the point where you know you really managed or led that person i mean i think to be good at what you do to develop people you need to you know find those if they're if you're finding things on the back end you know you need to see that before it comes right and you need to find ways to help that person enhance their career enhance their profession before it gets to that point but uh yeah, and in a lot of ways, it's being proactive versus reactive. Exactly. You know? And I think people who are exactly. reactive with their own work are reactive managers and leaders and oftentimes yeah. just doesn't work or it doesn't work well. Exactly. What? So I want two part question and then we'll wrap up. But first part is, what are you most excited for for your industry in the coming years? And the second part is, What's next? What's next? What's coming for Dark Horse CPAs? Like, what are you guys? What are you working on, man? Tell yep. me a more. So, I guess what I'm most excited about is the intersection of technology and you know uh, the work that we do, um, because as time goes on, there's going to be less data entry. There's going to be less you know, focus on compliance oriented work and more focus on strategic advisory. And that's going to make everyone's jobs a lot more enjoyable, um, you know, and a lot more fulfilling and rewarding. Uh, so I'm excited, you know, for that transformation within the industry and specifically within Dark Horse, you know, for folks to really be able to uh, take that next step in terms of, uh, you know, meaningful work and a meaningful experience and, you know, adding value, you know, to our clients' situations. I think that's going to be really transformational. And I also don't believe that <laughs> bots are going to replace us. I think they're just going to augment no. and supplement us in exactly. ways that will be super helpful so long as we can tame the technology enough to not be, uh, you know, buried by it. Yeah, I tell my people all the time, like the bots and the automation, that's your assistant. Think of those as your assistants. You know, they're going to do some work for you that you don't, you know, put it on their plate, let them do that. And you take on the rev ops, the stuff that's going to, that you're using your talents for. So right. great point. 
Yeah, and then the second part of that question, um, what do we have going on at Dark Horse? Um, yeah. Number of things, uh, but I guess maybe the one that's top of mind for us right now um, is building out a financial advisory practice uh, because there are just cool. a ton of synergies and overlap between yeah. you know CPAs and investment advisory. There's folks out there that are CPAs and CFPs. Um, I would say unless you're really smart and have a lot of experience, it's really hard to be on both sides of that fence. Um, you know, so our approach is going to be to have someone who is just on the financial advisory CFP side, run that part of the business, integrate it in a meaningful way with our tax and accounting services, and really be able to serve clients holistically, uh, you, you know, in a way that doesn't happen often when you have, you know, different parties handling different parts and are not coordinated. So it's going to unlock a lot of um, opportunity that currently exists uh, within the firm, as well as, you know, new clients coming on board that, you know, are going to say, okay, I do need this financial advisory component, you know, in this firm that I'm talking to for my tax return, you know, is going to be a great place to start. Good for you, man. Is that something short-term, long-term, near-term? Um, you know, like with a, a number of things in our business, we'll move as fast as we have the right people. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's something we would do tomorrow, <laughs> you know, if uh, we have the right people in place. But we do need to make sure that we're upholding our brand and we're doing yeah. it the right way and aren't going to have to you know, strip it down later on because we, you know, didn't do it the right way. So right. we're moving really as fast as, you know, we can uh, get the right people in the right seats to launch this because not being a CFP myself, I I'm certainly not going to be the one heading that part of the practice up. So, uh, at such time we find, you know, the right person and get the right agreement in place, you know, we're, we're ready to move. Good for you, man. Yeah. It seems like the perfect synergy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. I mean, it makes a lot of sense. It's loading for yeah. something we've wanted to do for a while, but we now have some, time to you know focus our energy on nice. making that happen always good to have time so wrapping up i know you're a baseball guy have you been watching the nba finals yeah i haven't watched every game but uh i've watched a bit of it and i uh, watched the game last night um and steph curry didn't have the greatest night yet they still won which yep. um once again going back to leadership you know uh, the guys around him you know, playing at a higher level than they would on any other team, you know, because they have that leader in Steph Curry. I mean, Michael Jordan was the same thing. It's, yeah, he was. He made everyone around him so much better than they would have been without him. Absolutely. Do you watch hockey at all or no? Uh, I'm a Golden Knights fan. Uh, so okay. when they're playing, I watch. Uh, I do know that it's the Avalanche and the Lightning uh, yep. in the Stanley Cup, which I guess is somewhat predictable. Um, but... I'm a little jealous of uh, the entire city of Tampa Bay winning as much as they have uh, in the I past know, five years. <laughs> like all of a sudden, you know, Brady comes to town and they win everything. Yeah, See what Brady does? Brady makes Brady's not just so good of a leader on the football field, but that dude makes every athlete better around him. Yeah, totally, <laughs> totally. And it also shows that you know 
you can't buy a championship, you know, I mean, that's a small market. I mean, getting Tom Brady on the football side, it was fortuitous for them, but yeah, you know, well, they've managed to win kind of across the board, you know, whether it's the devil rays lightning or the bucks, yeah. you know, with, um, what would be considered, you know, mediocre, uh, you know, market size and oh yeah, involvement if they weren't winning the way they are, Oh, uh, definitely, man. you know, so, you know, I, to me, that's a little bit analogous of kind of the startup world. It's like, you know, you don't have the resources of the big guys, but if you're smart and you have a strategy and you have a culture and you have a mission, you know, you can do a lot more with a lot less. You can. Yeah, and I think you can be a little more nimble. And I think with Brady, like you said, there, there's fortuitous. I think it was more of a lifestyle choice for him. Yep. You know, he wanted to go down to Florida and live on the water. So, you know, Tampa is a good fit. Yep. Yeah. I mean, good, good choice for him. Uh, yeah. yeah. He could pretty much do whatever he wants. So, hey, why not, yeah, he, right? He He's one of those guys who's just like, it's almost sickening how good he is at everything. I mean, he goes out and golfs and, you know, it's a yeah. home one. It's like, okay, is there anything you're bad at? I'd like to see that. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. Tom Brady. Cool. Well, Chase, thank you again. Thank you, Mike. You're always a fun guest to have, you know, always thinking and speaking outside the box, which is a lot of fun. And guys, like I said, I will post when the episode comes out, Chase's profile information from LinkedIn, but he's very active on LinkedIn, puts out some really good info. I urge you to connect with them. And, you know, if you're looking to get into the profession or if you're in the profession and, you know, you're possibly having some, some thoughts about, you know, ways that you can improve and grow and, and be better at what you do. I would highly recommend Chase and Dark Horse CPAs. They do an awesome job. So Chase, thanks again, man. Thank you, Mike. Really appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for taking the time and uh, we'll see you soon. Sounds good. Have a good one. Yep. You too. <laughs>